disturbing. Hi there, and welcome to Dork Wars, the podcast, your galactic hub for all things Star Wars. My name's Blake, and I'm here with the funny one, Wesley. What's up, dorks? The commentator, Andrew. Hello. In our very own Jedi Archive, Diedrich. Whoa, boy, boy. So, we got some big news for you this week. Now on to our first segment. Now hear this. Now hear this. Now hear this. Now you hear this, whoever you are. So, there are multiple sites reporting some rumors this week of a J.J. Abrams cut of The Rise of Skywalker, which might sound a little funny because the cut we got was technically a J.J. Abrams cut. But this seems to be a cut that he wanted to make different story plots, uh, excuse me, different storylines, different character development. There's some different things going on in this release, supposedly. Um, I don't think it's 100% confirmed. There's nothing on StarWars.com or anything like that. But it's just some buzz around the internet and... Maybe it's because of the the Snyder cut of Justice League is doing really well. Who knows? So, what, what do you guys think about a J.J. Abrams extended cut of The Rise of Skywalker? It makes sense to me, honestly. Um, you know, we had three different directors. Uh, I think it was four or five different writers for the new, the what do you call them? The sequels, Sequel I guess, children. is what they're called. Yeah. Um, it's really interesting to me. Every single one of them had different ideas for what the force was. Every single one of them had different ideas for who the big villain was going to be. And every single one of them had different ideas for what the main plot would be and what the main characters roles were for each episode. Yeah. It's JJ Abrams directed the first movie and the third movie. And it seems that Ryan Johnson kind of took a different direction from The Force Awakens and then J.J. Abrams tried to retaliate not, maybe not retaliate in a negative way, but kind of push his vision back onto the third movie and it really gives like a discombobulated three movies uh, it, it doesn't seem to be very consistent and I think that's one of the main problems with the sequel trilogy there's really no consistency between the movies at least for me all right, so I'm gonna I'm gonna definitely disagree with y'all. I don't think more would save that movie. So I think it's a bad comparison to describe the Snyder cut of the the DC movies to like I, I don't know a some kind of JJ uh, Abrams cut of Rise of Skywalker. I don't think I would want any more to that movie. It, it's already so much to begin with. So. I'm not saying that I I would care to see the extended cut of this movie, and I definitely do not think it would save the movie. There's nothing that can include that trilogy <laughs> and make the fans satisfied. Uh, there's there's just no way you can do that. I mean, I think I would have taken almost anything else. <laughs> I mean, it's just like, I don't know. I would have taken a lot of other things and been at least satisfied. But I don't know, the... the the absolute cluster of that movie, just the the amount of stuff they're throwing at you in the two and is it almost like three hours? It's like two and a half or something. Two. Well, this is where you can this is where you can argue that a longer movie could help that because a lot of that movie was resolving 
uh, plot lines that were left open in Force Awakens and plot lines left over from The Last Jedi, that movie had to be crammed full of stuff in that two and a half hours. Maybe an extended edition will let you answer those questions a little bit more freely, maybe have a little bit more uh, breathing room in the movie. Um, I don't think it would help the movie, to be honest, but that could be the the argument there. I I think it would. I mean, honestly, I think... I don't know if a... Okay, let me re, let me rephrase my opinion. I don't know if a J.J. Abrams cut of The Force Awakens would solve problems. I think a single director and two or three writers combined together to rewrite the entire sequels, I think that would be a problem solver. I, I, it's just to me, just like you said, Blake, all of the sequels seem to be all over the place. And I don't think that any opinion that you could have well you know i don't think any opinion that you would have dietrich would change my mind on that they're all over the place all three of them they have different points different enemies different main characters it just doesn't make sense so i I mean you're you're saying you're saying let's go ahead and remake them that's like a completely different thing to me right and i and i think um that that would be the answer to whatever the problem is that a J.J. Abrams cut would so-called resolve. I, I don't think there is a resolution to that problem except for remake the things. And that's have, not going to happen. Have yeah, you watched the happen. Zack Snyder cut of the Justice League, Dietrich? I haven't. No, uh, I haven't, no. You haven't? Okay, so it's almost five hours long. I've actually watched it. And just to let you know, I hated the Justice League. I thought it was <laughs> I thought it was terrible. I thought it was a really bad movie. It seemed to me like it was just too much information all cut into one. There wasn't enough backstory on each character. There wasn't enough backstory in general on the entire so kinda, situation. So kind of like Rise of Skywalker here. Exactly. Not only Rise of Skywalker, but The Force Awakens, The Last Jedi, all of them. I yeah. like the Zack Snyder cut in my opinion, was a great move for Zack Snyder because I don't know if you know what happened, but halfway through filming, Zack Snyder had to leave. Um, He had a personal situation that made it so he couldn't continue, you know, filming. And honestly, I, I watched the Zack Snyder cut and a lot of the stuff that I had a problem with was resolved in that situation. I mean, they had, (laughs) it's a four and a half hour movie. Yeah, I think the only thing that the the Snyder Cut of Justice League did not have were prequels to that movie that were lacking in plot lines and resolved plot lines. Now, Batman vs. Superman probably wasn't the best movie. Um, The extended cut of that movie was actually really good as well. Eh. But at least it resolved its own plot lines. You know, there, there wasn't anything left hanging except for the Justice League, which they resolved in the Justice League. I think there's a middle ground here. I think that Star Wars needs to stop being episodic movies. I think after the prequels and after the original trilogy, it should have stopped being two-hour long movies. I mean, Mandalorian is an amazing move. I think that's why Mandalorian is such a huge success, is that it's... 10 hours of video, 10 hours of movie, you know, and, you know, a bunch of episodes. 
I agree I with that's that. That's what Star Wars should always be from now on. I do not think that Star Wars should be one movie anymore, and that one movie will never do any amount of story justice. So I threw this to our fans online. Um, I posted on our Facebook page. I posted on our Instagram or Twitter. And I got a lot of pushback. About 70% of people were like, no, we, we don't want to see this. This is trash. J.J. Abrams trash. Let's just move um, on. Yeah. <laughs> Jar Jar Abrams, as he's called sometimes, is trash. But I will tell you, he's got a bad Jar Jar history, Binks. Dude. Jar Jar Binks is a sleeper, man. And we're going to discuss that on May the 4th. However, um, about 70% of the fans out there of Dork Wars the Podcast were not happy with this news or rumored news it's not really news it's more rumors but i did have a small contingent that were like yeah we'd like to see it um we we want to see what happens what's different is is there really much difference between this cut and the original cut of the movie if it exists who knows and then i had some few people who said just trash it all and remake it (laughs) you know right (laughs) see both sides dude wouldn't be a good idea to make the rise of skywalker specifically a four-hour movie it would be a better idea to make the prequels 10 episodes long you know 12 hours worth of film yeah i I just think that the problems in the sequel trilogy lie in the overall sequel trilogy movies one two three uh the force awakens the last jedi and the Rise of Skywalker together. The problems lie with those three movies together. Fixing the last movie is not going to fix the whole trilogy. I think one thing that would probably fix it, though, you know, and we're going to talk about it in the future, I think uh, Snokes should have been Jar Jar Binks. That's just my opinion. (laughs) Ooh, we're dropping hints for... May the 4th, the Jar Jar episode. So make sure you tune in. We're going to have that coming up. I believe that will be our next episode. Nope, we have one episode next week. We have an episode next week, and then the next episode will be our May the 4th Darth Jar Jar episode. We're going to skip that Saturday um, release that we normally do and push it to May the 4th. There may be a little bit more time between episodes, and I know you guys dislike that. However, you're going to get a real treat on May the 4th. And we hope you enjoy that. Now we're going to go to the topics for the evening. And they are actually some topics we talked about three or four weeks ago and recorded. And they just never made it on air. So this is what we may start calling some of our episodes that we've recorded but not released right when we recorded them. We'll call these the archive episodes. And this will be our first archive episode. Um, In this next episode, or excuse me, in this next portion of the episode, you're going to hear from myself, Wesley, and Diedrich talk about the Clone Wars. Uh, The clones specifically. Inhibitor chips, a whole bunch of cool stuff. So, with that, we hope you enjoy it, and we will be back right after that content. So, to get things started, uh, we are running a skeleton crew here this evening at Dork Wars the Podcast. Uh, Grant's had a big weekend. He had a wedding shower. He's moving his fiance into town. Um, just a lot of things going on, so he couldn't be with us tonight. And then we've sent Andrew off to a mission to Mustafar. Um, I hear that Obi-Wan Kenobi's there waiting for him, so we'll see how that goes. That's no fair. I want to go on a mission to Mustafar. Well, uh, 
I don't know if you know what happens on Mustafar with Obi-Wan Kenobi. I don't know if you've seen that far into the Star Wars. It's episode three. Oh, yeah. It's a great planet. So warm and toasty, just the way I like it. Yeah, it's real warm, especially if you're on the receiving end of a lightsaber to the arm and lower half of your body. Yeah, on second thought, I'll leave that to Andrew. Have fun. Oh. So, something to look forward to. Tomorrow evening, we're going to be recording an interview with Lewis and Danny from Shouting Into the Void. Oh, Um, sweet. Yeah. Oh, sweet. So we were actually, uh, Wesley and myself, that is, were on their podcast a couple of weeks ago. Uh, we talked about Star Wars. They did a whole Star Wars arc, and we were a part of that. It was real fun. Go check them out. Um, and that podcast, again, is Shouting Into the Void. They are the English guys. There is a an American version and an English version. Um, I accidentally got those mixed up at first. Uh, it, was, it was quite awkward. Um, but... <laughs> Listen to the English guys. I mean, I guess you can listen to the American guys. That's not a plug for them. I need to go practice my British accent. Oi, oi! That's all I got. Yeah, let's 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 not do that. Uh, Is that <laughs> racist? Offend our guests? No, it's not. Well, all right. Let me let me go ahead and pre-apologize for being racist. <laughs> <laughs> so this evening, uh, Wesley, Diedrich, and myself are going to be talking about the clones and. From what we know about the clones, they served the Republic during the prequel era, fighting against the Separatists. Um, There's a lot of great battles. We get to see them introduced in Attack of the Clones, Episode 2. We get to see them in the Clone Wars series. We get to see them in Episode 3 as well, at the conclusion of the war, the the Clone Wars. And we also get to see them in Rebels, uh, which is pretty cool. Yes, it is cool. It is so cool, man. I love to see the progression of Rex. Oh, yeah. Rex as a character? Oh, my gosh. Um, it, it pretty much is like Rex's story, to be honest. I mean, not explicitly the entire time, but Rex is in this show from, like, the very beginning to uh, to Rebels. I mean, it, anytime we see clones, Rex is usually in the mix. I know. Uh, I think most people would probably say they ended up loving Ahsoka out of everything that came from the Clone Wars, but... I think uh, Rex, if you know he were ever to be brought to real life, I think a lot of people would be hyped for that too because he's been around for so long and he was like the quintessential clone. I know like there's a lot of love for Cody, but Rex at the end of the day actually turned and kind of sort of tried to fight the, the programming. We'll talk about that later, I guess. But Was Rex in any of the movies on screen? In what movie? Uh, Attack of the Clones. You mean the third movie in the franchise, Revenge of the Sith? No, he's not in Revenge of the Sith. He's not in Attack of the Clones either. The, the only time we see him is in the seas are the the Clone Wars, the animated show, the the 3D version, not the not the Clone Wars without the the or with the the. I can't remember exactly the the one that was the 2D the, animated one, not that one. He's not in that. That is Clone Wars 2003. Oh yeah. <laughs> I know we see Cody in the movie some, but I wasn't sure about Rhett's. Yeah, you see Cody with um, Obi-Wan Kenobi. That's that's the uh, commander of Obi-Wan Kenobi's clones, his, his highest-ranking clone. So, um, yes, you see him in Revenge of the Sith. I don't. I guess Rex probably wasn't thought of yet. Uh, that's probably the, the big reason. So Rex is also in Rebels, and then there is a theory and kind of been hinted at by various people 
either at Disney or Lucasfilm, I can't remember exactly which one, that he is the elderly soldier we see on um, Endor. You kind of notice him by one of the shield bunkers. He's got like a white beard. Yeah, he looks a lot. He looks a lot like Rex did in Rebels, actually. Um, really, yeah, I've I've read the theory and it's it's pretty intriguing. I, I I like the theory myself. That's interesting. Yeah, I had never heard that theory. Yeah, so it's not necessarily canon, but it's somewhat hinted at, and you know, it's it's kind of a nice little theory to think that he survived to that point at least and had a role in you know crippling the empire. I think we consider that head cannon if if that's the I think that's the term head cannon. But um jumping right into some questions, what do you guys think is the difference between the movie clones uh that that being Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith and the clones in the Clone Wars show? What what is the difference in in those clones? Yeah, so in the movies, the clone troopers didn't seem much different than the droids. If you think about it, I mean, they both were designed for warfare and to take orders, and that's about it. The movies portrayed the clones with little to no personality whatsoever, and they just seemed very... um, They had very little free will. It seemed they were very robotic on their own. Is that what you're trying to say? Yes, exactly. Um, And then came the Clone Wars anime series in 2008. I know that show definitely expanded on these clones and introduced us to a lot of great characters. It... It did an excellent job of just humanizing the clones by giving them unique personalities, haircuts, nicknames, and of course they all share a deep brotherhood bond with one another. So yeah, yeah, I th- I think the movie clones, like you said, seem just like the other side of the coin for the droids. They they follow orders. They do what they're told. They're very regimented. You don't see a lot of personality in those. And those clones, not even in Revenge of the Sith, which takes place after slash during the Clone Wars. Um, you, you don't see a lot of personality from the clones at all. Um, you just say, you know, like Commander Cody, when he's talking to uh, Obi-Wan um, on Utapah, he's he's just like, yeah, Commander Kenobi or General Kenobi, we're this, this, we're doing this, we're doing this. All right, Cody, thank you very much. And, and it's, it's very, very rigid. Which seems right. I mean, they're they're in the middle of a military mission, um, but it, it just doesn't do enough to give personality to to these beings, um, these clones. So, what humanizes the clones in the Clone Wars? Uh, I know we've we were talking about that in the movies. They really don't get much characterization other than just looking like Jango Fett. But what really humanizes these clones in the Clone Wars show? Well, you have a lot of variation of. You know, a Django Fett clone. Some are a little more by the books. We have to do it exactly the way training presented it to us. And some of them are a little more crazy, a little more uh, free thinking. So they'll come up with a plan that's a little outside of the box as compared to the one who's by the books. And then you've also got kind of the, the one who's just going to go all in and in frontal assault and not really care about what the plan is. They just want to get in the action, right? And there's, you know, thousands of other variations, too. So I think the Clone Wars did something that was not previously thought of. Um, when, you, when you're thinking about clones and when you're, you know, the idea of clones is that they're all the same. The idea of clones is that they all listen the same. They all do what you tell them. They're all genetically the same. They all do exactly as they're told. They all act like each other. There is no difference between any of the clones. 
And in the movies, it really seems that that is the case. But why do you think that um, Cartoon Network and Disney, respectively, making the Clone Wars television show, went an extra mile and actually added different personalities, different kinds? Um, each clone seems like a different person, which they, they are. But they all have a, a separate identity from Jango Fett, where in the movies, of course, they are all just Jango Fett. Well, I think it comes from this being a passing project of both George Lucas and uh, uh, I can't remember his name right now. His Captain Cowboy hat. Filoni. Yeah, Dave Filoni. Uh, Dave, Dave Filoni. The hat is so awesome. Yeah, man, it's pretty sweet. Not going to lie. He pulls it off. Yeah, I just started following him on Twitter the other day. Hey, so do you, you know this? This has nothing to do with the clones or Clone Wars or anything. Do you think Dave Filoni's hat is where Cad Bane's hat came from? Oh, that's oh. a good reference. Yeah, yeah, I can definitely see similarities there. Dude, maybe maybe Dave maybe Dave Filoni is Cad Bane, <laughs> and he's still alive, guys. I know we talked about this last episode. Cad Bane is still alive, and he's Dave Filoni. Oh my goodness! Confirmed. Every episode, definitely. You heard it here. Every first. episode, we're, you heard it here first. You heard, yeah, you heard it here first. We're we're gonna expand on the Cad Bane is alive theory over and over, and it's just gonna get really, really big and monotonous and strange. Um, anyways, back to the clones though. Um, yeah, I I think you're right. Uh, it was a a brainchild of George Lucas and Dave Filoni, and they really have a good sense of storytelling. And like Wesley was saying, they all have different haircuts. Some of them have tattoos. Some of them act differently around one another. They have little clicks sometimes within their their regiments. It's it's pretty cool to see. And I think they did a really good job of, of humanizing these clones. And what it does, it makes you feel bad for them to a point because they're made just for war. They're made for this or that. And they should not have any other purpose. There is an entire episode or two where it's just about, um, I think it was Rex and maybe a few other clones who get lost from their regiment and they ended up finding a clone that is basically deserted, but he's just trying to live his best life. And they, and they have that like philosophical disagreement about what it means to be a clone. And, you know, the one who left is like, look, I didn't, I never agreed to this. I was bred, raised and told to be a soldier and I didn't want that life. So I think they'd also do a great job of presenting that to the audience. And, and really, you know, it's a kid show at the end of the day. It does get kind of deep sometimes. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I can agree with that. Just some of the the ethical um, the ethical issues that having these clones and them having personalities, them having these different thoughts and feelings. They're they're not just um, droids with skin and blood. They're just not biological uh, beings of war. They, they are living human thinking beings and the the ethical problems that come up in the clone wars are really deep for a kids show but i think they handle it in a very good way um i, I think it's it's kind of geared towards kids still but as the late as the seasons go on and the more you get into the show it really panders to a more mature audience it I'm, certainly get, it certainly gets darker oh absolutely and i remember putting off watching the show because I thought it was just going to be for kids. But once I finally started watching it, I realized how mistaken I was. I mean, the themes in each episode are definitely applicable to not just children, but to adults as well. Plus, I thoroughly enjoyed being introduced to 
some of these new important characters from the Domino Squad, like Echo and Fives, and just watching their story arcs develop throughout every season. Yeah, you definitely get to see their arc through basically the entirety of the show. Yeah, Fives and Echo are two huge characters. Um, Echo does end up passing at the Citadel, um, or... I, I can't remember. I'm I'm trying. I I watched. No, I think he's alive. No, see, I'm now. I'm I'm trying to think. I watched the first half of the Bad Batch episodes today, kind of in preparation, and uh, I, I couldn't remember how that storyline resolves. Mainly, so I've they only successfully seen it rescue him. Okay, that's right. Okay, I, so he doesn't die there, but he's been he's been severely damaged to the point where he's yeah he's very a robotic. cyborg now. That's yeah. right. Okay, that's right. Okay, that's that's sounding familiar now. Um, but yeah, Fives and Echo, their their story arc, even them and Rex, uh, even them and uh, Ahsoka and Anakin, all of them getting along and all of them their adventures together. Seeing that bond between the Jedi and the clones was magnificent. Anakin and Ahsoka treated their clones like they were family. They didn't want to lose any of them. They treated them like individual people, and that's how we would want our heroes to act, of course. But there were some Jedi that really did not care about the clones. They just used them pretty much as meat shields, um, if you think about it. Uh, one one that comes to mind is Jedi Krill. Uh, Jedi Master, is it was it Master or Jedi Knight? I think it's a general. He was a master, though. Or General Krill. Okay, I, th- I thought so. So we see that General Krill is not very good to his clones. He's ordering them to go out into battle doesn't really care if they live or die. Um, so, uh, Diedrich, I think you have a pretty good handle on that story arc, so why, why don't you get into the whole General Krell ordeal? Okay, so it takes place on a planet called Utapau. Oh, oh, edit that out. Holy <laughs> shit. Yeah. Yeah, Umbara. It's Umbara. There we go. We're going to start with Umbara. And the planet is kind of like Space Vietnam. Well, it's very misty. You've got this strange kind of effervescent glow coming from a lot of the flora on the planet. And then there's all of these weird defense mechanisms that the native peoples have that we've never really seen before in Star Wars, where you've got kind of like robotic giant uh, centipedes and little like stranger uh, in- insect-based robots. And then the the... The sentient beings themselves, the Umbarans, they use like a sonic type of blaster. It's not quite the same thing as just what we see from like droids and clones. So we start off with Anakin and he's hanging out with his clones. They're doing their thing. They're winning some battles here. And for some strange reason, and I think it's heavily implied that we've got Palpatine behind the scenes pulling strings again. uh, Anakin is returned to Coruscant. And you've got Pongrel who comes in to take over the lead of the 501st, which is with Rex as their commander. And then we've got several of those prominent clones we've been talking about kind of all night here. So what happens is through a series of combats, they can kind of see that Pongrel is not the best Jedi general. And even one point, they come up against another battalion of clones that they're ordered to attack. And then they realized through the process of removing helmets that they're actually fighting fellow clones. And that's kind of the breaking point for, I think Rex was kind of the leader at that point. And there's this kind of uh, existential crisis the clones have. You know, theoretically, 
they don't have the authority to arrest Pong Krell because he is their commanding officer, but he did just commit sedition and try to destroy their own clones. So several, basically the entire clone battalion there, they all join up with Rex and the remainder of the clones that want to arrest Pong Krell, except for one, and I can't quite remember his name. What was the name of that one, Wesley? Do you remember? Oh, man. Put me on the spot here. Um, I can't remember, but I know who you're talking about. Yeah, I can't quite remember the name of this one particular clone who was initially with Pong Krell for the longest time, saying they had to follow his orders. I'll, I'll look him up. Yeah, sure. Go ahead. And yeah, for the longest time, he was trying to tell everybody, wait, you know, we have to listen to the master's orders. He's the commanding officer. Do it by the book. That kind of thing. And it turned out at the end, when they were all at the kind of arresting phase, when they had gotten Pong Krell to a place where he was able to be, uh, I guess, arrested or, or put into shackles or, or to be shot. Uh, this, this particular clone actually out of, I guess, spite at this point, once he realized he had been lied to and betrayed this entire time, he was the one who ended Pong Krell's life. Yeah, I really enjoyed that Pong Krell campaign because it sort of foreshadowed what was to come. You could really feel the confliction in these clones having to fulfill these sidious missions and sabotaging their own brothers and getting themselves killed in the process. There were also several missions that Pong Krell shot down that the clones brought to them as possibilities to end up you know, having an advantage over the, the separatist forces and the environs who were on the planet. And a couple of times, I think it was like Fives and maybe Echo or, or a few others of the the named clones we've been following throughout the entirety of the Clone Wars, they do a couple of missions that kind of get them in trouble. And at one point, you'll have to look this up for me too, Wesley. I can't remember who. Somebody, one of them is arrested for going AWOL and, and doing a mission without the proper clearance by Pong Krell, right? And he is ordered to be executed. And actually, a fire a firing squadron is brought forth. Yeah, uh, that was Fives. Uh, you know, from the beginning, Fives would openly question what Pong Krell's motives were, and he would challenge them a lot on the orders that were given. So ultimately, Fives doesn't bow to Krell because of his loyalty to the Republic, and therefore he was sentenced to death. But even then, the other clones were like why are we doing this? And they were put into this difficult decision of, like, do they obey the orders or do they protect their brother? Well, I think what's significant about that is the clones all basically closed their eyes and missed the, the shot. And then I think a base comes under attack. Something happens where they have to stop right. the execution process so and he's kind of saved because of, of whatever the reason is for now. Right. And this this really shows the, the humanity of these clones. Like, they don't want to be treated horribly. They don't want to be treated like nothing. And when Pong Krell comes at them, you know, they they kind of give a little pushback until finally they, they, they end his life. You know, th these are these are real beings. And it kind of shows the hypocrisy of the Jedi during this time, of course. Some being too pompous, being, you know... I, I would not say that Pong Krell is a good Jedi, but is somehow a Jedi master. Um, but that's a, that's another topic for another podcast. We're talking about the clones. So real quick though, Pong Krell, I don't think he saw himself as a Jedi anymore. He was trying to impress either Count Dooku or, or he had learned that Dooku had his own master and was trying to impress that master. I don't think he knew about Sidious necessarily, but I think he knew that Count Dooku 
was working for somebody. There was some darker element out there that he was trying to get on board with, and that was kind of his reasoning why he was doing what he was right. doing. Right, and but even then, to, to have Jedi defecting to the dark side of the Force, I mean, he's got to know that's the dark side of the Force. I mean... This entire story, which is unusual in Star Wars, because it put a lot of characters who were ostensibly heroes against one another... And up until this point, the clones always trusted the Jedi, but for the first time, they began to have an existential crisis and question what the point of the entire war was. Then, of course, later when Fives discovers the control ships, that led to a lot more questions. So that brings me to a good point, um, Wesley. So what do we think about the inhibitor chips? The inhibitor chips were an idea that was expounded upon in the Clone Wars series. Um, before then, in Legends, the clones did not have inhibitor chips. They learned a bunch of different contingency orders just in case things happen. Order 66 happened to be if the Jedi go AWOL and are hostile to the Republic, we take the Jedi out. That was Order 66. Now, the introduction of the inhibitor chip by Disney gives them a reason to go against the Jedi, but not because they wanted to, not because it was just an order they had. Because if you look at their relationship, especially with Anakin and Ahsoka, um, it seemed like the clones respected the Jedi, for the most part. Um, they saw them as their commanders, their heroes, they served with them, and it, it really seemed like the clones respected the Jedi. So if, if you don't have the inhibitor chip, then it seems like the, the clones have to go against their own humanity to assassinate the Jedi. The introduction of the inhibitor chip gives them an easy out that still helps them maintain their humanity. And, and at least that's my opinion. Um, so what do you guys think about the inhibitor chips? I'm not the biggest fan of the idea. I mean, in older canon, there were other contingency plans too. There were, you know, one through whatever the number, like there was, you know, 59, 67, whatever. Well, it was at least 66. All right, but I think there were actually more in old canon. Not not now. Not now that Disney's taken over. Right. There were other things. In, and right. the order I, I by it. itself was suspect, but when you look at it in like totality with all of the other orders, there was even, like, I think, an, a certain order that would take out Palpatine or whoever the Supreme Chancellor was. Order 65. Is that what it was? Yep. We're, we're going to fact check that, Wesley. If you're making that up, you're off the podcast. No, you're <laughs> off the podcast. I, I'm, just, I'm just kidding, man. I'm just kidding, man. No, I, I, read, I read an article before I came on. Yeah, oh. but, but don't call don't call Samuel L. Jackson. We want to have him on our podcast at some point. Um, and we know that Wesley and Samuel L., man, they play Rocket League on the weekends. Uh, they, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, dude, you, you know they play Rocket League on the weekends. That's Wesley right, that's right. So he will out. not come on the podcast if we get rid of Wesley. Uh, but no, that, that's actually that's actually pretty cool. Um, yeah, there was a multitude of different contingency plans for different scenarios, and it just so happened Order 66 was the one to eliminate the Jedi and the one that Palpatine was going to use to destroy the Jedi. And of course, that was his plan the whole time. Um, but what do you think, Wesley? Do you think the inhibitor chips are a good idea or a bad idea? I actually support the inhibitor chips, but uh, you know, I like how Fives was like, "We are not a bunch of unthinking droids." Then the inhibitor chip was like, "Hold my beer." 
them clinkers. <laughs> them clinkers, yeah. But, uh, yeah, in general, the inhibitor chips make sense. Like, they were a biochip designed to prevent the clone troopers from being overly independent and aggressive. So from an engineering and business perspective, like that makes sense to me. I think the only unethical thing about it was that no one knew about the chip except for that one Jedi master. Um, I, uh, the one that created the army. I, I can't remember his name right now. I think that was, uh, that was purely Palpatine, but I think you're thinking of the yes. guy who wanted to make the clone army and was like, that's, that's master Sifo Diaz. Oh right. yeah. Sifo Diaz. That, that was the name. So I don't, I don't think it was Sifo Diaz that had anything to do with the inhibitor chip though. But I think he, he was tricked in by Dooku in, in ordering the clone army for a future conflict. Of course. Um, yeah. Master Sifo Diaz and Count Dooku were very, very close and um, Palpatine manipulated Sifo Diaz to get the clone army made. But I think Palpatine, and this is something I, I don't think this covered in any material at this point. But like, what what was the payment arrangement uh, between Palpatine and the Kaminoans? You know, like did did he pay them to put the the inhibitor chips in? Did the Kaminoans know that uh, Palpatine was going to kill the Jedi? Like. I, I don't know. So in old canon, I'm pretty sure it's alluded to that Plagueis' wealth yes. basically pays for a lot of it. Right. But in new canon, I don't think there's any like real tangible evidence of the Kaminoans' role other than creating the clones. They want money. I mean, they, they need money to, to buy goods and services. Well... As we all do. Why would they even want money on Camino? Because yeah. it's a water planet with nothing to do. Wow, kind of backwards. As, right? as anything else, I mean, it's, people it's like who countries. can make entire yeah. clone armies in about a decade, not even a whole decade. Yeah, but but I mean, they don't even have a Dollar General. Don't even have a Dollar General, dude. Yeah. Where do you, where do you get those last minute cloning materials that you need if there is no Dollar General? I don't know, like a drug <laughs> drugstore. But yeah, space I mean, drugstore, space Walgreens. <laughs> You can't. I didn't see Space Walgreens over there on Camino either. But anyways, they they did it for the cash. Uh, and, and that's what I suspect. Did it come from the government? Did it come from Palpatine himself? We don't know much about Palpatine's, I don't think, in the new canons. Well, of course, Legends expounded on everything. Every character was fleshed out from the time they were born to the time they died to whatever. But uh, as far as the new canon goes, we, we don't know where the money's coming from. If it's being siphoned through the Republic to the Kaminoans, is it coming straight from Palpatine? Who knows? But it, it's this is something that I'd like to be explored, is to see how involved the Kaminoans were with the plot to destroy the Jedi. What Was it, was it more than just, we're going to make the clone army? Were they, did they have a, a stake in the state of the universe, or the state of the galaxy, rather? Right, like the Kaminoans are a very cerebral species with state-of-the-art technology at their disposal. So maybe their angle in all of this is just honor and prestige, you know, by being able to say that they are the engineers behind this great clone army. But I always found them to be a little mysterious myself and a little sketchy. And on top of that, they were like shady, man. Like just their whole demeanor, everything about Obi-Wan's trip to Kamino and Attack yeah. of the Clones is shady. The way they talk, the way they act. It's like, we were expecting you. Like, how were you expecting me? I didn't even know I was going to be here. Like, <laughs> So, Wesley, you just watched The Clone Wars, right? Yeah. 
So do you remember there is, a, I think, a few episodes that's about basically the Republic trying to uh, order more clones, and there's a shady kind of faction within the Imperial, or not Imperial, Republic Senate, and the Kaminoan Senator is one of the people who's definitely trying to keep the war going. And they're kind of, again, Padme, I think, at this point, is trying to get a coalition of people to essentially start peace negotiations while there is this other party that's trying to get the war ramped up even further. And you see this Kaminoan, Kaminoan, it's very interesting to say. Anyway, this, this, the senator is trying to keep the war going and have the Republic order whatever X number of more units. So I think that's what's um, pretty interesting about having a galactic senate. Like, when you know, here on Earth, we have... You know, our country does what's good for our country. Um, other countries do do what's good for their country, but the Galactic Senate was trying to work together to bring this the the galaxy together and to be peaceful throughout the galaxy, supposedly. But you have some planets that make uh, make starships, make uh, vessels of war, make the clones, make this, make that, make weapons, make armor, and they want to keep the war going because they're making a lot of money. I mean, they're getting filthy rich off this. And then you have other. Uh, planets. I'm sure like Alderaan, Naboo, places like that that are, you know, more peaceful. They they probably don't manufacture those goods and services. Um, so they're they're trying to get peace. They're, they want peace back in the galaxy. They're tired of the war. So having having all this conflict and having some factions wanting war, some factions not wanting war, it, it's pretty interesting. And that's that's something we're gonna have to get into on a different episode, because we're still talking about the clones, <laughs> but uh, kind of a sidebar, I guess. But that does bring me to another question I had. How much genetic mutation went into these clones? Um, we see in the Clone Wars, like we say, there's different personalities between them. Some of them have different haircuts. Some of them have tattoos. Some of them do not have tattoos. Um, you even got the Bad Batch, who were, um, they were said to be defective and then genetically mutated. Like there's, there are a lot went into those, those guys, I'm sure. But how much genetic mutation went into the clones? Because some of them are, are more meek in demeanor. Some of them are more, um, rash in demeanor. Some of them are a lot like Jango Fett. Some, some of them are not. Um, how much Jango Fett can you actually get out of the clones? Well, I think... I'm not sure if this is still new canon, but I know in old canon it wasn't just Django representing the Mandalorian warrior like culture and training style. There also had a few others who were Mandalorians, and we come in and train them and make sure that they were also learning the Mandalorian kind of way of fighting and overall, I guess, ideology about fighting. Yeah, but still, they're genetic clones of... Um, Django Fett and I guess it come, comes into a sort of nature versus nurture mentality but I mean the genes don't lie uh, a lot of them act a lot like Django Fett and that kind of brings us back to the inhibitor chip is it good is it not debate where I believe that some of them have enough Django Fett in them and enough respect for the Jedi that if Order 66 was just Order 66 and there was no inhibitor chip that they wouldn't kill the Jedi like, I don't think that Rex would try to destroy Ahsoka or Anakin if he had the chance just because it was a contingency order. I don't think Cody would have tried to kill Obi-Wan Kenobi just because with no inhibitor chip. Because they had such a close relationship. I think that the clones were smart enough to, to kind of smell something. And we see that with Fives in his whole story arc, discovering that the uh, inhibitor chip exists. 
and such a great story arc. But I, I don't think that without the inhibitor chips, um, that uh, that the uh, that the clones would would have done what they did. And I think that's a lot to do with the genetic mutation, uh, or excuse me, I think that's a lot to do with Jango Fett being the host. Jango Fett is a character that will do what he wants to do. Even when he was on Kamino, he traveled and, and did work um, on Coruscant. He tried to kill Padme, or he hired someone who tried to kill Padme with little space worms. Um, didn't want to do it himself, but he he did that. He He does what he wants to do, and I think a lot of that goes into the clones. That's exactly right, Blake. And, you know, there were sincere bonds, emotions, connections, and just genuine friendships that grew between the clones and the Jedi. And I personally do not believe that the clones would have fallen through with Order 66 without the inhibitor chip. You know, the clones were people, and if you think about it, they were victims of an evil plot. Um, but this just goes to show you all the events that took place behind the scenes for Order 66 to take place in... Um, and and the third movie, Revenge of the Jedi. Wait, well, I forgot what it was called. Return of the Jedi. Or Revenge oh. of the Sith, rather. <laughs> Revenge of the Jedi Sith. <laughs> Return of the Sith Jedi strikes back. Return of the Sith, <laughs> Revenge of the Jedi. Yes, all the above. What? <laughs> <laughs> what are we talking about? We love all Star Wars here at Dork Wars, the podcast. That's right. But, uh, yeah, one could say that the installation of the chips was just as much an act of violence as sending them into war. How could a moral government create people who could be controlled like droids? It can't. It has. Be, it became very immoral. Oh, it's definitely immoral. Pal- Palpatine was not someone who cared about morality or the, the right way to do things. Palpatine wanted power. Palpatine did everything he could. He cloned Jango Fett, the best bounty hunter that I guess he thought that they could clone. Or the, I don't know who, who 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 recruited Jango Fett. I don't know that exactly. Count well, yep, you're right, you're right. Count Dooku did that. Um, but Pal- Palpatine is not really one for uh, morality. It seems he he just wants power, and he'll do it. He'll get it any way he can. Yeah, and another thing is that no one knew about the inhibitor chip except for Fives. Fives figured it out during that mission, um, but then he was ultimately killed during that mission. But other than him, like no one else knew about it. Right, and, and I think a big point of this too is the only people that I believe knew about the inhibitor chips was Palpatine, and I'm sure Dooku knew about the inhibitor chips as well. Uh, and possibly General Grievous, I, I don't know, I don't know. I think General Grievous was more of a pawn than we're led to believe. But I think definitely Palpatine and Dooku knew the whole plan. And I think there's one separatist officer, the tarantula looking dude, who gets severely blown up each time we see him. And he he keeps coming back as like a more robotic spider tarantula looking guy. Anyway, I think he is the commander when one of the clones has like an incident and his inhibitor chip goes off early and he attacks and kills the Jedi. So he kind of sees it play out, and I think he gets a little more intelligence on the situation. He might have learned, I can't exactly remember, but he might have known for a time, but I'm pretty sure he was killed by the end of the Clone Wars. Yeah, Admiral Trench. Man, he was, <laughs> that's funny, man. I, he, just when you think he's gone, he comes back and he's a little bit more robotic each time. And that's that's a theme with Star Wars characters, man. Uh, 
You think they're dead? Nope, they're back with robotic parts. Good old robot legs. Oh, yeah. I'm not going to complain about the robotic parts. I would like to see Mace Windu come back, come back in a, another movie with robotic arms, robotic legs. Just You know, as much as I dislike Mace Windu, I think it'd be cool if he came back. But yeah, we can, we can get into that on another podcast. We're still talking about the clones. This has been a this has been a sidebar episode, but it's okay. So kind of getting back on topic with the clones, um, Rex actually takes his inhibitor chip out with the help of Ahsoka. Um, Order sixty six is given, and the whole clone battalion on the starship after they they've captured Darth Maul uh, turn on Ahsoka, and they're trying to kill her, trying to kill. The, well, I guess she's a Jedi technically, or no, she's technically not a Jedi, but she's a Jedi-esque character at this point. And Rex has such a great relationship with Ahsoka that they take Rex's inhibitor chip out. And I, I think it's, it's really cool to see this kind of relationship between a Jedi and a clone. He's able to get his inhibitor chip out. He's not going to be um, controlled by the Empire He's going to do what he needs to do. Um, and, and just talking about this, I realized, I guess Rex wasn't in, Cl- in Revenge of the Sith because he was with Ahsoka. So that's that's pretty cool. That's just kind of a sidebar. But just, just Yeah, real quick, Blake. Uh, yeah, and Rebels, I don't know if you noticed this, but Rex, uh, Gregor, and Wolf, the three of them, they had a scar on their head from where they removed the inhibitor chip. Um, and they still had some after effects. Like I, I think one of them had like PTSD and was still triggered. But yeah, it's it's just sad, man. It, it just everything they they had to go through. Yeah, there there is so many ethical gray areas within the clones. It's 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 sad to see them. They're so sad as as beings. They're they're sad to watch. But just to see the kind of strength that they have to to get out and and to do what they have to do. It's it really shows their personality. Their their personalities shine through. Definitely. So one uh, faction of the clones that we see are the Bad Batch, and the Bad Batch are a group of clones that were defective, but were genetically mutated to have different powers. You have Wrecker, who's really really strong. You have Hunter, who's able to since different things like electromagnetic uh, fields, he can track things very well. You have Tech. He's uh, he's really good with technology. He knows a lot of things. He's just incredibly smart. And you have, what's, what's the uh, sniper dude? Crosshair. Crosshair, yes. Crosshair is the silent but deadly type, man. He comes in and he'll, sn- he'll snipe you from uh, 100 meters away and just take you out. Um the Bad Batch shows just how extreme the um, the clones can be. Like, the Bad Batch is nothing like Jango Fett. And some of them even look different than Jango Fett. Actually, they all kind of look a little different than Jango Fett. Not just their hair, but their facial features and everything. So, the- yeah, sorry, Blake. So, the Bad Batch, you know, they've been genetically modified to each have a special ability than a normal clone trooper. And if you remember, that's why Echo joined the Bad Batch after the Separatists tortured him and turned him into a cyborg. So together, they all make like a special task force. Um, I'm not sure they even have an inhibitor chip, right? I'm, I'm sure so they. Do would. you think they were affected by Order sixty six? Then I would. I would think that it would, though. Why? Why wouldn't it? Uh, I would think that Order sixty six would affect them. I, 
that'd be bad to to leave like the best clones out of order 66 i don't i don't think that's a good deal. <laughs> yeah i i just don't know where they were during order 66 or like who's a supervisor where were they no they they didn't they do mention that in the uh clone wars arc that he says well who do you report to and he's like um that's a good question who do we report to he didn't even know <laughs> but but uh, I actually watched some of those episodes in preparation in preparation for this episode, and to see them take on the drone, uh, the the droids was magnificent. They they take on the droids with tactics they'd never seen before, and just their whole their whole shtick is they're different, and they're even we see different uh, clones have different personalities, this and the other, but the bad batch are like incredibly different. They're like night and day. This is on. Yeah. It's like, they're not even really clones. Um, and depending on how much genetic modification went down, like could they, Super clones. they really technically clones? I, I don't know, but yeah, I mean, yeah, they're like very unique, very interesting to watch. Right. And you're very and, powerful. And they're, they're cool to watch. And the cool thing is we actually get to watch them more this coming May. I believe it's May, uh, the Bad Batch TV series or Disney Plus series will be coming out, and we can watch that week by week. I'm sure we will have some coverage of that. Maybe we'll do two episodes at a time on the podcast so we're not just talking about the Bad Batch every single week. That could probably get boring. Have you seen the new trailer coming out? I actually have not. I feel like I'm grossly underprepared now. So what's the trailer like, Wesley? Oh, yeah, man. So it was actually really good. It had a Clone Wars feel to it. Um, The graphics look great. They look much like they did in the Clone Wars, but even better. Um, The planets just looked amazing, and there was a lot of action. Plus, even Palpatine made an appearance. Uh, we also get to see some stormtroopers for the first time, technically, as we transition to this new era in Star Wars. Um, it'll be fun to watch the Bad Batch fight the stormtroopers, and yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. So you're, so this is actually taking place after the Clone Wars. Yep. Nice. That's that's going to be really cool to see. I, I don't think we've actually seen clones fighting the Empire, other than you know Rex Wolf and Gregor that end up in, in Rebels. But to see the Bad Batch maybe actively fighting against the Empire, that would that would be pretty cool. Because there's there's got to be action, there's got to be fighting. It's the Bad Batch, man. That's, that's what they're all about, is war. So that's going to be great. And with that, this has been another episode of Dork Wars the Podcast. Go like our Facebook page. Go like our Twitter page. Uh, we are uh, on Twitter. We're at Dork Wars Podcast. Just type in Dork Wars the Podcast on Facebook. We'll pop up. You can find us on Spotify, Stitcher, Amazon Music, iTunes, Google Podcasts. We're everywhere. iHeartRadio. So anywhere you get your podcast from, that's where we're at. Tell your friends. Tell everybody about us. We'd really like to get more listeners, and we'd really like you to be our avenue for that. So, Dork Lords, until next week, this has been Dork Wars the Podcast. Thank you, and may the Force be with you. Thank you for supporting Dork Wars, the podcast. You can check us out on facebook.com forward slash Dork Wars, the podcast. And if you would like to join in on the discussion or maybe suggest topics for us to discuss, please do so by joining our Discord community or sending us an email at dorkwarspodcast at gmail.com. This has been a We Lost Dietrich production.